0: The Gospel of John, chapter 1. The first 18 verses of John's Gospel, as many of you know, are some of the most towering words ever written. They are, in fact, so towering that men have spent their lives gazing at their beauty. John begins in verses 1 through 4. If you would, read them with me. In the beginning was the Word. With John affirms with these verses that the Word is God, yet it is, in fact, distinct from God. He affirms that the Word was the agent of creation. Through Him, all things were made. He affirms that in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Whatever ambiguity or mystery there might be in the use of the title, the Word there is one thing that is unequivocal, one thing that is absolutely certain. The Word is God. Whatever appears to be murky is made clear when we consider what John says about the Word. The Word created. The Word, in fact, gave life. The Word was God. Consider next what John says in verse 14. And the Word became flesh. Like a stalled airplane careening toward the earth, John moves from the most incomparable truths of God and smashes them into the most mundane. The Word becomes flesh. The Creator becomes the created. The Designer becomes, in fact, a dependent. God becomes a man. We have to read a little further to find out In fact, who this God is, look at verse 14 again, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us or tabernacled among us or quite literally pitched a tent. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son or unique son or um, only begotten son from the Father full of grace and truth. Jump down to verse 16. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. John stacks up everything he can before revealing, in fact, who this word is. The one in whom he has seen the glory of. Glory of an only begotten son or a unique son. It's a glory full of grace and truth. It's a glory from which we have all received grace and ...upon grace, or one grace gift upon another. A grace that, a grace and truth, excuse me, that came through Jesus Christ. Beloved, it was God who became a man. It was God who demonstrated his great love for us... ...in that while we were still sinners, died for us. If you are here this morning and you don't know this God... I want to help you. We want to help you. I don't have to convince you that you are a sinner. You know that of yourself. But what you might not know is how to be known by the word. How to find life in the name of Jesus. Look again at John. This time, look at verses 9 through 13. The true light which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came even to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But, importantly, verse 12, all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I want you to know, we want you to know, this morning, that you can be known by God. You can be a child of God. You can receive grace by believing in his name. When a person believes in the name of Jesus, they believe everything Jesus says about himself and about humanity or about us. They believe those things to be true from their heart. They swear that Jesus is God and that man is, in fact, a sinner. They also avow that the word, that is Jesus, became flesh in order that he lay down his life as a sacrifice for all those who would believe in him. When we talk about the death of Jesus, we are talking about an offering to God that will fully and finally fulfill his holy wrath against sinners. When the word became flesh, the word accepted the fact that his flesh would receive the merit of God's wrath. Jesus was punished in order that those who deserved to be punished might not be punished. And that punishment, our punishment, is no longer punishable through belief. Now on the night before Jesus took our punishment, he ate a meal with his disciples. The Passover meal. On that night, Jesus initiated a practice that we call communion or the Lord's supper or the Lord's table. This practice isn't a magical one. There is no mysterious ingredients in the cracker or the juice. Rather, it's, it's a corporate reflection, a corporate way to reflect on the salvation that is provided through the once for all sacrifice of Jesus. The instructions are simple. If you believe, eat and drink. If you don't believe, don't eat and don't drink. Let the cracker and the juice pass you by. If you don't believe, however, don't take lightly what letting the cracker and the juice pass you by means. It simply means you have no escape from the wrath of God. This wrath that will be poured out against you on judgment day. As John will say later in his gospel, the wrath of God remains on you. Confess your sins, repent, and believe in the name of Jesus. There is no reason that today might not be the first day you could be called a child of God. If you do believe, before you partake, examine your heart, confess, and repent of any known sin. And friends, let us eat and drink in celebration of this word that became flesh. Let us celebrate God's promise of a substitute and the unity we have with him and, in fact, with one another. Men, if you would, come serve us. I'll return in a moment. You can partake when you're ready, and I'll return in a moment to pray.